Apple presents Meet the Musician at the Apple Store. All right, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Bill Keith of Entertainment Weekly. Uh, hi, thank you for coming out tonight. I know you're not here to see me. Uh, you are here to see Anna Gasteyer. Uh, you're probably very familiar with her work on Saturday Night Live. You may not be familiar with her singing voice, unless you caught her on Wicked, or on several of her characters on Saturday Night Live. Um, but Anna is here with her new album called I'm Hip. Ladies and gentlemen, Anna Gasteyer. Sorry, I stole your chair the first time. They made me move. Oh, they moved you over? Yeah. I'm so used to um, getting my phone fixed and looking over here and seeing a weird tutorial on little tips and tricks. I know. Or how to use your, you know, hold down the shift key. Yes, we may have to give some advice at some point or some tips. I'm, I'm going to try. And I heard you already gave tips on bugs on the iPhone 6. I did. I recommended that if you download my record, it fixes all the bugs on your iPod. <laughs> and it's already in the top 10. It's in the top 10 for jazz. Yeah, I'm super, it's hovering, as we say, in the industry. Oh, lingo. is that? Oh, uh -huh. you've got the industry lingo down. Too. I'm excited because I produced it myself. So I, I actually have to say I didn't expect anything. I, didn't, <laughs> I truly did not believe anyone but my you know, mom would buy it. So right. I'm excited that people like it. Yeah, and, and um, so I guess you should just sort of explain... What the hell's were, going on? Yeah, why we're here. <laughs> and not just because we like to be across the street from Finale's Bar. No, it's true. We do like to be in Soho, in historic Soho. Uh, yeah, I mean, I made a record. So, so, yeah, I have these two careers. I have the Saturday Night Live funny lady career, and then I have the Broadway singing girl career. I started out as a singer. I was a voice major in college, right. and... Um, not a very happy one. My mom wanted me to be like a legit singer and I wanted to sing the kind of music that I sing on my record. But right, as they love to say, classically trained. I was classically trained. So I used my diaphragm. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but then I went to school in Chicago and it's like the land of comedy people and I just got sucked down the rabbit hole of fun comedy people and it, I was not disciplined or focused nearly enough to be a classical musician. Plus, I really didn't want to be one. I, didn't, I wanted to sing with a band and have fun and be funny. And um, ultimately that's, so then I did Broadway after I left Saturday night. I did uh, Wicked and Three Penny right. Opera and a bunch of stuff. And um, I, so I started to develop this nightclub act basically. Okay. Cause it, it sort of marries who I am the best. It's, it's an old fashioned entertainers era, the late fifties and early sixties, which is where a lot of the record lives in terms of its arrangements. And, um, it's fun, like you can sort of be funny and the music is, can be fun. People, people hear a jazz record and they think, jazz, you know, and they get right. sad. Um, but this, it's fun, it's a fun sort of cocktail drinking yeah, album. Yeah, sort of boozy and body. It's a little boozy and body, like me. But um, still peachy, yeah. <laughs> still peachy. <laughs> it's peachy, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's fun, I mean, to me, I'm a you know, joyful person and I like joyful music and that's, that's really where this, so, yeah, so that's what the act has been. And right. I've been performing it around the country for 10 years with you know, various sizes of a big band as much as I can afford. I have a big voice, so it suits, it suits well to horns. I would call it a horny voice. Right, sure. Um, if that makes sense. And I like singing with horns, uh, but they're hard to afford all the time. So the luxury of the record was like really spending time in a studio with a proper horn section. And right, and you get to say my horn section now. I, I get to say horns up, fellas. 
stuff like that. And now is this your mom's? Is that cats? Is this your mom's proudest moment for you that you're finally actually doing the musical career that she wanted for you? No, I think she's probably embarrassed still. I think she wishes that I was uh, singing arias. I don't know. I mean, I think they're proud. I think they're sort of amazed that I did it. I think, you know, they they didn't really understand what was happening while it was happening. But yeah, I think, I think they're, I mean, they're always proud. My parents are proud just that I am not, you know, living in their house. Right. Which is, which is <laughs> happened a couple of years ago. You finally moved out. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah, I moved out. <laughs> so you started the act, and then how long were you doing the act before you sat down to actually get to doing the proper album? Yeah, so I've been doing the act on it. I'm versions of the act for literally since I left Saturday Night Live 12 years ago. Okay. But this particular, most of the music on this record, I've been doing four or five years of doing, I had a show called Elegant Songs from a Handsome Woman, uh, (laughs) that was where I started to find a lot of the music, none of it's elegant music particularly, and Julian Fleischer, my producer and colleague, kept saying, he was like, these are not elegant songs, these are swinging songs, you don't even like elegant songs, but I just thought it was a better title, so, Um, yeah, so for probably four or five years I've been spending time, And, and one song... I Want You Around, which is a Bob Merrill song, which we have on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, we have always just talked about doing, but I've actually never performed it. I just liked it. And, oh, okay. And, yeah, and there's a great Eartha Kit recording of it that I loved. So I, I personally listen to it all the time. We threw it on in the 11th hour, just when we were recording the record. We, we, had a few, we had a few songs. We had actually two or three tracks that we didn't put on that we thought were okay. fun and you know, just weren't quite fitting the rest of the mood and the feeling of the record. And you have a Blossom Deary song on here, which is yeah. the title. Yeah. Or the I'm album hip. title track. Yeah, it's a Dave Frischberg song, actually, but Blossom Deary made it famous. Okay. Um, a, a lot of uh, yep, people that, like me, I guess, that live in between these two territories, music and comedy, Blossom Deary and Bette Midler has her own. And, uh, you know, there's over the, Rosie O'Donnell, I think, has a recording of it. There are a lot of people who have recorded it, and it's, a, it's just a great song because it's self-referential and it's, right. you know, um, self What's the word I'm looking for? It makes fun of oneself. Self-deprecating. Thank you. Self-deprecating. Yeah, I was going to say, no one ever actually sings this song with the intent to, put, to be put out into the world that they are, in fact, <laughs> no, hip, or I'm, think that they are. I'm a, I'm a woman in her 40s who lives in Brooklyn, so I encounter what, hey, it daily. Right. I was going to say, you're yes. maybe hip adjacent? I'm hip adjacent. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, formerly known as hip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it the was The singer fun. formerly known as a comedian known as a hip. <laughs> yeah, I've been... I don't even think when I was hip, I was hip. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm a little bit of an old lady secretly. So it was fun to record it and find contemporary lyrics that reflect that. Because there is so much. We're in the Apple store. Like, there's so many things on the record that, um, I mean, on the song that identify themselves as hip. You know, the the Instagram moments that are, you know, I'm already behind on. You know, are you on LO yet? No, no, no one's invited me. I'll invite you. I'll invite you at dinner. I got invited. The perks. I got invited to... I got invited to Elo and then got really confused, thought it was YOLO, and then got off. Oh, yeah. Maybe I need, maybe <laughs> so I need to go nowhere near it. I think yeah. we have a clip, right? Not oh, a full yeah. video, um, but... So, yeah, so again, because the, like, it, it's living in this territory, this, like, comedy music territory, um, I, you know, a lot of comedians sing and, and are a musical, right. and a, a lot of my SNL colleagues are. So I turned to... Um, my former colleague, Yorma Taconi, we actually, he came to SNL, the Lonely Island guy started one year after I left. Okay. And he's a really good director and he agreed to direct um, the 
first track on the record, this One Mint Julep song that Ray Charles recorded and a bunch of people right. recorded. So um, we did it and we got a lot of our comedy pals involved. John Lutz is in it and John Glazer and Samantha Bee and um, some Broadway faces, Daniel Breaker, David Kale. So it was fun to kind fun. of mix up my worlds. And if, if you look, you see the cameos. So it was fun. Yeah. Oh, great. Are we going to watch it? Yeah, I think so. You guys excited to see the music video for One Mint Julep? A music everybody, video. Can I have everybody in the back focus? No? Okay. Went in a tavern to get a few nips, but all I had was one mint julep. It was the cause of it all. I don't remember just how it started, but all I know is we stole a kiss and then another. I didn't mean to. was the cause of it all. It's fun to see it that big. Yeah, that's great. It's really hard to imagine Ray Charles performing that now. <laughs> that is definitely your own here. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to make it your own, right? It, it was really fun because, uh, you know, Yorma's, anyone who comes from the sketch comedy world, there's this like guerrilla philosophy, like you're, you're, you're kind of scrapping it together. There's a scrappiness to SNL people, right. even, even after all the years you're on it and they pay for all the beautiful props and wigs and things. Um, and so we, we toss that together in this really like hilarious, panicky way. Right. I mean, I, I, I forced <laughs> right. my children to be in it. I, I, I literally stole a trombone from the middle school music department in my children's school. Like, I called the <laughs> middle school choir teacher and was like, can I get you, can I get a trombone? He's like, yeah, meet me on the corner, Henry and Pierpont. You know, like, right. so it, it was really fun just, like, like, finding as many people to get involved. We had extra, all the, our friends were the extras. And, yeah, you're yeah. not at a lack of talented friends. It's true. So, um, not but also, can pull I have nice friends too. You know, like my Pilates class came and danced at uh, six in the morning. It was really nice of them. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. We just wanted people who were happy and, right. and wanted to do it and be involved. Yeah. And you, and you said so many comedians are good at singing oftentimes. Yeah. It's funny because people will say, oh, I didn't know she. I just feel like there was a time at which you couldn't just be a comedian, like, you needed to actually right. bring the singing to it when you were actually a variety act. That's literally, yeah, and that's what most SNLers are, I actually, mm -hmm. and that's what the intention of the record for sure is. It lives right. somewhere in between. I, I think I am a variety performer kind of born at the wrong time. I mean, you know, Chris Barnell's a great singer. Uh, Will Ferrell's dad was a professional musician. He played mm -hmm. for the Righteous Brothers. You know, Maya Rudolph's mom was Rip Minnie Ripperton. Right. There's a lot of musical people in, in my world, uh, for sure. My, my world of origin, I should say, my SNL world. When you were sort of, when you audition, is that something that comes up? Or I guess you put that foot forward if it's a skill that's exactly. yours? or Yeah, no, you, you're so panicky all the time. No, I never thought I, never thought I would even use it. It wasn't you even... Didn't. Um, it didn't? Oddly, everything I did on the show ended up being musical practically, but um, <laughs> by accident. It's more like a panic thing. Like you... Right. Yeah, I did, I did impressions and characters. I didn't sing at all in my audition, no. Okay. And um, then you, I don't like, think I sang until um, halfway through my first season, actually. Uh, I remember the moment, because Whitney Houston was coming on the show, may she rest <laughs> in peace, and um, she did not, as was her way, show up for the table read or most of the dress rehearsal. Sure, it sure. It was a tough time. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> 
I, they asked me to sing in her stead, and I don't think they knew I could really sing, and so then I really sang, and it was oh, like wow. sort of this weird, awkward moment <laughs> where people were like, oh, <laughs> whoops. We know like, you haven't <laughs> sung before, but would you mind being yeah. Whitney Houston? Well, they were just like, will you fill in for Molly's sketch? You know, like it wasn't like, it was like a stand-in, you right. know, just like somebody for, you know, for the table to sell the joke, and right. so I actually sang, and people were surprised. And, there, and yeah. then from then on? Yeah, and then no we choice. did Bobby and Marty, and... The right. middle school music teachers and Celine Dion and I did this folk singer Cinder Calhoun. Yeah, of course. And I actually went to Lilith Fair as that character. Do you remember the Lilith Fair uh, festival? And they had me. They were really cool about it. They had me come and make fun of them, like I right. sang like mean folk songs, making fun of the Lilith Fair at the Lilith Fair. Yeah, that moment of lightness during <laughs> Lilith Fair. That one moment that everyone was thankful for. Yeah, it was. I was thankful for it. So yeah. the music was teachers cool. were the, was that your first was that the first musical like big sketch? music yeah. thing? Um, yeah, I think okay. it must have been. And they weren't popular at first. Like the writers and stuff didn't like them because they uh. thought it was kind of I think Sweeney Sistersy and campy. Uh-huh. I don't know. What ultimately became popular in the writing staff part of I mean this is insider knowledge but I would say it would probably be more the funny relationship stuff and then the medleys would be like fun to put together at the end like I think right. audiences like the the medleys but in terms of the in-house like comedy snobs they like the bit and actually it was um Helen Hunt somebody came and hosted and the music teachers were in the show in dress and the cold open bombed the first okay. opening sketch the political one that they usually do right out of the commercials at 11.30. And it was Christmas time. And the host, actually, Helen Hunt, was like, why don't you put uh, the music teachers there? It makes sense. It's topical. You can fit it. And it changed like the fate of the sketch because we, we were generally after update, which is like the late, the last half hour of the show. It's harder to get anything off the ground. People know that by now. But they moved us to the top and we became a popular sketch. And then that was it. We ended up doing it. I think it was one of the most recurring sketches of all time, I found out the last time I was there. Oh, wow. As yeah. it should have been. Well, yeah, I guess so. It was super fun. We yeah. had so much fun doing it that it was my favorite thing to do on the show. So Right. And then, I guess, to get back to the album, though, have you been just sort of, has it been, have you been cataloging songs over the years that yeah. you wanted to put together as a cohesive thing, or...? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I definitely catalog songs. I just have, like, pages, and whenever I hear something fun, I write it down. I mean, generally speaking, it has to, um, you know have a sense of humor to it. Right. Um, and that was sort of the through line jollity, I would say, and a sense of irony and fun. And um, in terms of this particular record, yeah, everything kind of had to f- fall into a um, place that felt like that late 50s, early 60s storytelling joyful place that okay. could be performed with a big band behind you. There's a lot of variety on the record, I'm not going to lie. Like, mm-hmm. we have a vibraphone. B- Book of Love is a very contemporary song, but it's a very... Um, it's a funny song, and it's, it's tongue-in-cheek in places, and I, I just never can take myself too seriously. It was really important to me that that not be the focus of the record. Okay. I, nothing worse than an actress proving she can sing, right. you know, on a record. Just, <laughs> I mean, so, I wasn't going to say it. Yeah, no, thanks for right. saying it. It's, it's sitting right there. Right. Somebody had to call it out. <laughs> but so that's what I, it really was important to me, that it was about having fun and, and never, ever being overly conscious about the performance. In fact, we recorded it. Um, in the way we were with the full band and we overdubbed some horns but we were in the same space so that because I have a very dynamic relationship with the band so um, it keeps me from thinking about how I sound all the time in that kind of like isolated booth way right 
which is gross. So is there, I mean, you mentioned that you were focusing on a, a pretty, well, a, a pretty specific era. Yeah. Would you love to do, like, just start doing yes. 70s era? I mean... Oh, 70s era. Oh, that's funny. Uh, like I don't Captain think it's, and Tennille type stuff? It's not my thing. Okay. No, I mean, I certainly, you know, when I do my... I mean, you know, I'll put funny songs in there at times, but no, no, it's not my okay. thing. Not really. I wouldn't... This is where you're home at most in this I sort of so. era. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I am. I mean, you know, I, I have fun. Like, on, on Suburgatory, they had me sing Barracuda, mm -hmm. which was incredibly fun. Right. Um, but I don't... Uh, it, it wasn't the most natural piece no. for you. It doesn't speak to me as much. How about you could do, like, a Barbara Streisand-style duets album? I would love to do a duets album. Yeah. For one thing, because other people could help me sell it. All right. It's the smartest thing in the whole world. You don't need any help. You're on the top ten. <laughs> Are you guys going to help me? Are you going to leave today and tweet about it and buy it for your grandma? This is a, an army effort, guys. Yes. We're all in this together. I've got to look at my children in the face and justify spending a year of college tuition on my project. So I need you to help me get that back. Right. And, and then you have to get in a bus and just drive across the country and tour in every single venue. Every single venue. That's, that's the side of being a musician that no one actually wants. Except I like live performance. I mean, I'm... But do you like the bus? Nobody likes the bus. Right. He's right. Nobody likes the bus. I traveled on a bus my first job. I slept in a little bus bed. We called uh -huh. them couchettes. Couchettes? Were you in France or...? <laughs> no. We were in Iowa. Oh. The French part of Iowa. <laughs> no, but I was, it was the real library In Des Moines. Yeah. The Des Moines. Wait. Right. Mon couchette. But you, are you going to be touring at all? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a really necessary piece is having the record out there because, again, there's one thing to say, like, oh, yeah, no, no, she sings. And then if you hear it, I think it's different, hopefully. Right. So you mentioned that you really do the love, you do love the live performing. Love it. Um, love, love, love it. Which must have come in handy in your earlier career. Yes. But um, do you have a different energy going out when you sing, like in terms of, like, antsiness or excitedness or... I don't get some... as nervous, oddly. I just enjoy it more. It's okay. more... I mean, it's hard not to enjoy hearing a real live band, if they're good. A bad band is a sad experience <laughs> for everybody. But at least you're all in it together. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know what? Ideally, I would love to play... I wish... I like people getting dressed up and going... I'd love people to put on party dresses and dance and listen to music. And I like people to drink during my shows. And Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of which, how, how long did it actually take to shoot that video? 14 hours. Wow. It was fast. Yeah. Relatively speaking, we shot it. Um, it was a long, fun day, busy. But a very committed Pilates class of yours to stick with that. No, they they were they were done by nine thirty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they came at six a.m. and they left. The Pilates girls. Very good. There was Team Pilates. There was Team My Husband's Office. They left. People who had people had to go to jobs. Just <laughs> lonely left. you and the band. It was me. No, the band left early. Are you kidding? The band wanted to go. They didn't want to hang around. So just you all by yourself. It was me and Glazer and the drag queens. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were always good. stick there they until always, the end. They always stick around. But for the, the video, the, the video truly end. is, it is like, uh, there are all those Easter eggs of folks appearing in it. Yeah. Like Sam, Samantha B showed up at 4 p.m. Uh -huh. David Kale came at the end of the day. It was really fun. Yeah. It's totally great. Yeah. And Hal Wilner, the guy that played my father, here's a super fun fact. He's this music supervisor for SNL. He's like oh. a very famous character at 30 Rock that right. nobody else knows. But Yorma and I were like, we got to get Hal to play the dad. Yeah. And I don't think he knows that he was in it, even. <laughs> he's <laughs> right. sort of that kind of he's guy. One of the, I was going to yeah, say, he's, he's one of those people like, oh, just not quite a video. And, anyway, so and how, did you, how did you go about casting your husband? Glazer? Yeah. Um, 
Do the audition s- process is really what I'm after. Uh, well, we we tried to get Anderson Cooper because I thought that would be really funny, uh-huh. um, just and weird. Right. Because <laughs> it, <laughs> it was really hard. Like, do you want a, a hotshot guy, or do you, I wanted it to be sort of a weird choice, like that I gave up my life for a dashing. I don't know. It just seemed funny to have Anderson Cooper for some reason. And uh, but CNN doesn't let him do videos apparently. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was an aversion to mint juleps. No, he likes the song, actually. He was very okay. supportive of it. But, of course, it's Anderson Cooper, so he's like, wrote me the nicest letter. Like, I would love to do it, but I, I'm afraid I have to be in Gaza. It was like something right. really serious. I was just like, you know, right. you sure you won't do my music video? You know, just the worst. Um, and then, uh, so he was busy, and then um, we asked a couple of comedic friends, and then John Glazer, do you know his show from uh, no. Adult Swim? Oh, you're right. Yeah, um, I always forget, Deacon's, do you guys know it? Where he's uh, in the witness protection program and he wears a, a black stocking over his face for the entire show. It's incredibly funny. Anyway, he's just one of those people and he's in like 30 Rock and right. um, Parks and Rec and he was on Girls and he's, he's just one of those really, really, really genuinely funny actors who brings something to everything and I know him socially. He used to write uh, on SNL and he used to write at Conan when they were on the same floor and, or downstairs in 30 Rock. So... We called Yormanism too, so we asked him, and he said yes. And it was his idea to smoke and chew gum, and to smoke and play the sax. I was going to say that's something I've certainly never seen. I've seen smoking and chewing gum, but because never smoking. He, I, he wanted in the to sax. play the ultimate cool guy, so he was like, "What if I'm just smoking all the time?" <laughs> it's the 50s. Literally all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think he was excited because the Mad Men factor gave him a pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, no. I think that was my favorite moment. Maybe the we were gonna have cig- my kids sex. were you know in that. I'm sorry. No, your favorite moment. Go ahead. What? No, say, I say. Just, no. This is please. This, I did, I just liked the smoking with the sacks. It was a nice detail. Absolutely. I think it would be challenging. <laughs> um, I wanted him to be chewing gum and smoking and playing the sax, but that was hard. And we did one shot where we passed a cigarette between our mouths while kissing, but I think it was so gross they couldn't use it. No. Uh, it was gross. Um, and then I gave my children candy cigarettes because I always find it super funny, but I realize America might not find that so funny. Oh, no. Yeah. So. You're not giving America... I don't know if you're giving America too much credit or not enough. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. So but at the last minute, I took the fake cigarettes out of my own children's hands. <laughs> <laughs> Your most maternal yeah. moment. Yeah, it really was. It was the first day of school, too, which really is driving home. Can you come do mommy shoot? <laughs> Put a fake cigarette in your mouth, honey. All right. It was terrible. Yes. And they, so those were, how many children, you had six at one point in the video, I guess. There's so many great details in terms of the guerrilla filmmaking of that. So my children are in that, two of my, my daughter's friends, mm-hmm. um, and then our neighbors were the shirtless baby and the shirtless three-year-old. Oh, yeah. Um, and I didn't, they didn't mind. So I said, can, will Tucker and Sonny come and can they just be in their diapers? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I wanted it to be as like WPA project, you know, sad. Yeah. And then the pregnancy pad was actually uh, borrowed from Sesame Street. I mean, it really is depraved. It's not where I thought you were going to get that from. <laughs> well, our costume designer works at Sesame Street. He was like, I stole this from Sesame Street. I'll take it back tonight. Yeah, but you had, so. a, great, you had a great dress. Or two. I mean, the wedding dress was beautiful. The main performance dress. I had great dresses. I had, yeah. Again, we had to beg, borrow, and steal. A lot of them were from Rent the Runway, oh, which is yeah. an awesome option, ladies. Ladies, look, there's some nods. You can <laughs> rent an outfit for the day. I love it. Yeah. You might want to know about this. I was gonna say, go on. And um, and and you don't have to invest in the whole outfit, right. which is kind of nice. Right. So we got some Rent the Runway outfits and. And some borrowed horns. Some borrowed horns, some borrowed, yeah. 
That is what it means to self-produce an album and a video. It's 100%. Yeah, there's no... Yeah. And so you've been increasingly hearing your own music, too, when yeah, you walked into the store. It's weird to walk in and hear it played out in the world, because I'm used to just listening to it on my headphones and criti like criticizing it. <laughs> so, right. Or to my kids. Like, Crazy People, which is this really fun old Boswell sister song that we did, you know, we went back and forth, and it was really important to me that we have sound effects that were only, like, that you could you could only replicate via, with instruments. In other words, I didn't want any like automated sound and there's right. no auto-tuning on it either. I didn't want any, I wanted a nice authentic quality to it, so. Um, True to the era as well. Exactly. Very good. Yeah, so crazy people, I, you know, every couple of weeks they'd be like, do you like this bicycle horn? You know. <laughs> do you, <laughs> you know I don't, rah, rah, I like don't remember that part. <laughs> do you like this cuckoo clock? It was, right. like, it was like, I'm not gonna hold a cuckoo clock on the stage, so right. we went back and forth bird calls and such. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. I think we, we have some questions from the audience. Um, we can shoot it out to you all. Um, hi, thank you for coming out tonight. I thank love you. all your characters on SNL. I just wanted to know on the film side, do you have any up and coming projects that you're working oh, on? Oh, um, I'm in Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. I'll say it loud and I'll say it proud. <laughs> Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, Blart Rides Again. Oh, um, yeah. I hadn't heard the tagline yet. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, it's everywhere. Blart Rides Again, I, I play somebody's wife. But here was my, my little actor's secret. It is not that big a part, but it's an incredibly small part. But uh, I said to them, I was so excited, the costume designer, I said, because it's all in Vegas. It all takes place in Las Vegas, which was incredibly fun to do. And I said to the costume designer, can I be one of those women who's obsessed with Celine Dion? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like my little actor joke. Like it's not, we don't even see it, but in every scene I'm wearing a Celine Dion t-shirt. <laughs> oh, wow. And a couple of them you can see it, but just know if you see the movie that if I'm wearing like a tracksuit, there's a Celine Dion t-shirt under. It was mama's little secret. That, go, that goes for almost every day though, right? Um, yeah, um, well, mostly underwear, but that, that's it, just Celine right. underwear. I do have a um, Heart of the Ocean that she gave me. Wow. It's, wow. It's not worth that much. It was, from, it was from the merch area at Madison Square Garden. But, uh, but I, I did an impression of her at Madison Square Garden with her. in her show. Yeah. It was insane. And, and you've done that? I did it once. I mean, it was the craziest thing that's ever happened to me, probably. But. Yeah, but didn't you do that with Martha and Martha's presence as well? Yes. But the whole Celine of it... See, the thing that was so surreal about... Martha for sure understands that I'm doing an impression of her. Right. <laughs> Whereas right. I'm not sure Celine knows what's happening. She thinks you're more homaging, um, perhaps. Yeah, and she thinks, she actually said after that impression, because she doesn't, especially then, it was 12, 14 years ago, she, she really did not have a mastery over English. So. Like now. Like now, where she's just so fluent. Um, but so they had me come up and pretend to start the Titanic song as her in her exact outfit, <laughs> which was fantastic because it was a lady, lady tux yeah, with yeah. a breakaway skirt. I had forgotten that. Yeah. Remember the lady tux? Yeah. With a massive French Canadian cummerbund. <laughs> um, anyway, it was great. So I looked exactly like her. But then afterwards, she was like, she just, she was, she, you know, said thank you and everything and then gave me the heart of the ocean. And, um, and that was a sincere gesture. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And then she said, but then she said, it's so funny because um, you are so horrible to hear. <laughs> I think she thought the joke was that I can't sing. 
Oh, no. So Not only did she not get the joke, she also managed to offend. No, I wasn't offended. I thought it was really funny. But yeah, it was a crazy day. Anyway, so uh, I, I paid homage by wearing my Celine garb on the movie. I'm also coming up in, I'm in Girls and The Goldbergs and The Good Wife all coming up soon. So Those are three fantastic shows. I know, I'm super excited. I'm really excited about Girls. What, um, can you talk about what you're doing on, on any of them? The Goldbergs, perhaps? The Goldbergs, I play uh, the drama teacher. Perfect. From the 80s. It's kind of an easy, it's pretty straightforward. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. And because and, and, he actually is very dedicated to people playing exactly the people from his childhood. So I, I'm not really that kooky. Oh, okay. But, um, it, but, you know, I get to wear a lot of scarves and stuff, so that's fun. And, um, and then Good Wife, I always play the same judge, right. Judge Patrice Lesner. And so that's happening again. And then um, on Girls, I play uh, Shoshana's mother. Oh, wow. Really fun. And that's the season premiere next one. I don't know if that's announced, but I just did it. We we can just keep it. We can just keep it in the Apple Store. Keep it here in the podcast. We'll just keep it all amongst ourselves. Yeah. Do you have another question? Here in the Apple Store. It's not like people can really access anyone in the outside world. Hey there, thanks for coming out tonight. Thank you. Uh, do you have any plans to perform this work live anywhere locally or anything like that? Yes. Well, I'm going to Largo in Los Angeles, November 6th, and then hopefully coming back to Joe's Pub with the act here. Yeah. You can follow my Twitter feed or my Tumblr for that. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Savvy social media. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I try. I try with my savvy social media. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm just yapping away. <laughs> Um, so on SNL, my favorite of your characters are between Martha Stewart and the Gemini's twin. Oh my God, a girl! I forgot about Gemini's twin. I that was like one of my favorites because I used to love Destiny's Child too. So thank I you. Love, I was like obsessed, and I love Maya. <laughs> anyway, um, what would be what would you say would be your favorite character to portray? Well, it depends. Like in terms of popular characters, uh, personally. Um, I mean, I certainly loved, like I said, doing Bobby and Marty because the process was so fun. Like, it's so hard to, like, dissect the writing from the performing of it because it's such a crazy week where you write it all on Tuesday night. Uh, so we would just laugh super hard writing Bobby and Marty, and we would not write it. We would procrastinate. It was, like, a famous thing, actually, on 17 that we never would get that sketch written. Um, so we would start it sometimes at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, like, st- after having stayed up and talked about everything else you can talk about except for comedy you know like except for writing it we'd do bits and we'd prank call people um we'd get in trouble it was terrible and then we would write it so process wise it was really oddly fun in a perverse way um with will and paula pell it was incredibly fun but then there's a character i did only a couple times called deandra wells who was a singer it's a very like you know, esoteric, SNL, factoid character. But we, she was based on a diva I saw singing uh, and who was constantly talking about love but was insanely mean to her band. And, um, <laughs> but it was really like, and to the sound guys and the lighting guys and just, you know, I feel the love, I love you, I love you. And then like, I need a little more of myself in the monitors. You know, just like this bitchy, it was so fun to play. We would write these ridiculous, sappy 70s songs about love. And um, it would always erupt in a terrible, terrible fight with her band. She she outed Chris Parnell. She would like reveal, it was just, she was like always super passive aggressive. But I think, I think passive aggressive people are funny. So anyway, so it was my favorite person. We only, I think we only did it twice. And we did it a third time and it was cut 
in between the two, and I had this huge, I talked about this on Seth Meyers actually, there, were, there was a huge self-portrait. It was a Christmas special. <laughs> so I love SNL because it's like endless resources. So we wrote this Christmas special sketch. We had jewel cases all over a Christmas tree for one shot. We did like a full right. photo shoot of her horrible album covers. And then we had a massive self-portrait done. I mean, like huge, 13 feet high. And um, everything. I mean, we had, we had a custom doorbell. We had oh, somebody, man. we had Big Bird. We had Chris Christopherson. It was ridiculous. It was like this 1975 <laughs> Christmas special. And uh, it was cut. It was just like, some. it was no. like a, it was, it was terrible. It was in this section in the um, 8H that we call Shit Can Alley and there's no way to get around that. That's what we called it. It's like way in the back and if your sketch is in there, it will never, ever make it from dress to air because it's super far. The audience can't see you. Mm-hmm. And it was after Update, which is also like a killer in dress because the audience has been there a long time. They're bored. Like it has to be really funny to get out of that corner and out of that time slot. Anyway, it died a terrible death. Even with all my justifications, it died. It was like a play. It was like a one-act play about a 1975 Christmas special. Did you save the self-portrait? Yes. The point being, I saved the self-portrait. The art Joe from the art department came and said, "Hey, you know, do you want that?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." So it was in my office for two years, and then it was in the writer's room for two years, and now it's in my house. Um, because the producer was like, do you want to take that home, by the way? And my husband weirdly wanted it. I don't have any pictures of myself like around the house really as a performer, but it, made me, it makes me laugh. So every now and then people come in, it's huge. And I was going to put it in the bathroom because I thought it'd be so funny for people to go pee and like right. have this massive self-portrait <laughs> right. of me with this just giant Barbara you know, main event perm and this awful like sequin gown, but it didn't fit. So it's just uh, hanging, it's like in our front hallway. So yeah, every now and then someone impressed. will come over and be like, wow, you know, <laughs> thinking that my husband commissioned it for me or, right. you know, whatever. Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> we used to joke that the guy that she was going out with at the time painted her nude and then they broke up and then she had somebody paint the gown over her nude body. Oh, yeah. Deandra? So we Deandra can look Wells. Deandra Wells, we can look that up on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. <clears throat> So if there was a revival of a show in the next five plus years, what's a dream role that you'd love to audition for? Oh, on Broadway? Um, a revival on Broadway. Spoken like a professional, Broadway. I mean, do I have to be right for the part? <laughs> like, can I be Annie? <laughs> um, no, I would love to do like Annie Get Your Gun or, you know, uh, back in the day I would have wanted to do Funny Girl, but according to the internet, I'm too old. Um, the internet. <laughs> and dumb internet. Um, uh, yeah, I would love to do Annie Get Your Gun. I think it's a great show. I love the music and, yeah. Is that a good answer? Do you approve? Okay. And obviously, uh, Gypsy. But that's, I'd like to give myself a good 20 years on that one. Is that cool? Same with Dolly. <laughs> In case anyone's listening. (laughs) Guys. Hi, thank you so much for coming out. Um, You're one of my childhood heroes as I was growing up. Um, You and Molly Shannon and Sherry O'Terry, to me, were some of the pioneers um, of some women in comedy because it was less common, I feel like, in the 90s and the early 2000s. So now these days, do you ever have younger comedians or younger women wanting to be on SNL coming to you, asking you to mentor them, or do you have any younger protégés? Oh my gosh, what a nice question, and what a nice assumption that I'm that generous. (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) 
you know, I do know a lot of younger comedians, mostly from the, the just the world and the circuit, and a lot of them, um, I'm, this is gonna sound terrible, babysit for me um, out in, uh, for my children. Or, you know, it's like a great source because of um, UCB and Groundlings and stuff. I tend to know a lot of younger girls. Um, yeah, I'm really, I, I'm, I can't believe we got that moniker, but I was really lucky to be there when I was there and um, to be the beginning. It was strange. It was, I mean, when I got cast, I, people would come up to me on the street before I was cast, other female comics in LA and say, I'm so sorry, like, it's uh, the worst place in the world to work. Like, it, was, it had a terrible reputation, and women in general just did, and I didn't really think of it as myself as particularly trailblazing, and so it was like this weird combination where Molly was a superstar, and Sherry was a superstar, and you know, I was very hardworking and good at what I did, and so we kind of got this little movement going. Um, I always encourage, I mean, it's a different world now because I feel like, um, first of all, there has been this kind of trend and second of all, because of YouTube and because of the internet and because of podcasting, you know, the main resource women have in comedy is to write for themselves. And if you even look around on television, I mean, that's what Tina's doing, that's what Amy's doing. Like, people aren't, you know, sitting around and waiting to get cast is never a good idea as a comic anyway because you're not gonna, you're not gonna work as much, basically. Um, and I feel like for young women to, to have those uh, channels available where they can be creating their own content. It's really exciting yeah. to, to watch. I feel like it's um, they don't they almost don't need mentoring if that makes any sense. I mean, I continue to say right, if anyone ever asks, write for yourself, write for yourself, write for yourself. You know, wigs and glasses, wigs and glasses, wigs and glasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, or maybe that's just what we say at our house. But uh, yeah, so. Um, thinking about it's your hot. history here in New York, but yet Suburgatory was in LA. Yes. Um, New York versus LA. And add to that, best spot in New York, just to hang out or to be. Ooh. Well, I like, I'm a New Yorker. I mean, I, I, I love working in Los Angeles because the resources are so great out there. But no, I'm a New Yorker. I've lived here since Saturday night, and I always dreamed of living here. And uh, obviously, for somebody who works in all the fields, Broadway and and, and theater, it's, there, there's just nothing that can replace it. I also like that I can, my husband's not in the industry and that we can share our lives with so many um, non-industry people. I think it makes for a more interesting and balanced life and my children aren't surrounded by only entertainment industry people. It's enough to grow up with an actress as a mother. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I love New York very, very much and I, and I feed off of its energy. And in terms of favorite places, it's hard to say. Like I think if I, you know, it, ch it changes all the time. I, I'm, I'm, I've been in Brooklyn 12 years and I'm still exploring it. Like I still, I feel like I'm still learning areas. You know, um, there's, I just had, uh, you know, Indian food in a new neighborhood in Queens that I had never been to. Like, I feel like it's such a huge city. It's, it's, it's sort of something that I could, I feel like I'll be discovering it until the day I die. So I love it. Do you love New York? You moved here from LA. Yeah. yeah. It's a big adjustment, but it's, 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 got more to offer than any place A lot of ever. material here as well. It's a lot of good material. Um, yeah, check out the record. Tell your friends and family. And Absolutely. I'm hip. Anna Gasteyer. Thanks, Bill. Thanks.